Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but right now you can give a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Sing it. If you have any questions, concerns, it's not Alex producing today, it's James. So James just needs your first name and where you're calling from. And Mr. Kelly, yo. when the temperatures are this low, you live on the bluff, so it's got to be fairly cool, isn't it? It's always cooler than it is here. Right. I'll tell you that much. The yes. breezes it was a little cool. have to yeah. be just ridiculous. Yeah, we're not right on the bluff, so we're a little off it. But yeah, it's it's breezy, which is great when it's warm. But a morning like this, it's a little chilly. But yes. it must be not too bad in here, though, because usually you have a coat on. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't well, have a coat today. It, and it, it was okay during the program. It's a little cool right now so I might have to wear the jacket next time I come in. <laughs> okay, That's great. for sure. Good to see you. <laughs> Good to see you, too. <laughs> yes, folks, we can have a discussion about what's going on in your backyard. Oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, or the front yard, side yard. How about uh, you want to build a specialty garden space, a raised bed? And how are your houseplants doing? Well, I've moved a couple of mine outside. I thought I had them protected. But, unfortunately, they got sunburnt. And uh, that was stupid of me because I wasn't paying that much attention. And what is a potting mix? How do you improve your soil so you get better production out of your plant material? Should you be pruning right now? Should you be shearing anything? And what are those bugs? Oh, how about diseases? And use the information that I'll share with you, and uh, hopefully it will help you make the best decision related to your landscape because the final judgment is going to be action on your part. And by the way, this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home car or wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player, as I said before today, is James. He's the producer. He pushes all the buttons, answers the phone. He's a very talented person to be able to do all that stuff. And uh, guess what? I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I can come to your home and do landscape consultations. If you'd like, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and... Uh, Get my phone number or email, and uh, we'll do. I'll come to your home, schedule a walk and talk around your yard. So uh, this past week, I was in Creve Core, and it was a, kind of a neat yard. And uh, well, where can I be reached? Well, I just said that. Well, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting six three six eight six one three three four four. I left home. I headed east up to Grand. I went over to Lafayette, and then east again. 
And I ended up stopping at 2023 Lafayette Avenue. There's a huge sycamore street tree right outside the gate to this area. And the wrought iron fence, Florida lease. looks like it's been repaired recently because uh, there's some sections that have been removed, still haven't been replaced. And other ones really look, I mean, it looks nice and everything else. There's uh, underground downspouts coming off a small building there, and they exit right into the, uh, just outside the fence, which there is an area that's planted with uh, all kinds of, let's say, wildflowers or weeds, if you want to call them that. And uh, there's been a recently weeded bed in that area. Evidence, a small pile of weeds still lays there. It hasn't been put away yet. The flagpole is embraced by a boxwood hedge, and uh, though the flag was hanging down, and though there was a breeze this morning, there was no movement on the flag whatsoever. So there's also a massive mulch pile there waiting for the volunteers to come and spread. Historic gaslight right above the front door entrance says, guess what? I'm really an old building. And there's a small door just to the left of the front entrance, and there's a plate at the bottom of the door that says this building was built in 1867, so right after the Civil War. And a, a sign in the window states that this is a park house and it can be rented. So if you're interested in renting a kind of a cool place, and actually there's a sign there that explains this is the old police station in Lafayette Park. And around the building you're going to see U's, you're going to see magnolias, and uh, there's a bunch of hostas on the north side. There's oak leaf hydrangea. There's allium giganteum. So, in other words, flowering onion in bloom right now. Daylilies haven't bloomed yet, but uh, there's some daffodil foliage. Daffodils are long gone, but uh, yes, it looks kind of nice anyway. Recently planted begonias, lantana, and annual periwinkle are there. Some parts have already been mulched. There's variegated euonymus. There's Japanese painted ferns. Around by the back, there's unplanted, unplanted urn. There's a nice gazebo. And when you look at through the posts of the gazebo, it kind of creates a different frame of views as you look back towards the west. As you go around to the other side, the south side, gold thread branch cypress dominates the view. And it's really kind of a neat old historic building. I lived in Lafayette Square multiple years ago on Mississippi, which is the opposite corner of the park. But uh, just a neat place to be. Lots of people out early in the morning just walking, some walking dogs, some just walking, some jogging. And uh, so that was just a nice time. The only thing, I just wish it was not quite as cool because I didn't really have a coat on or anything. And uh, I was pretty dumb. I have a coat in a car, but I just thought, ah, I can handle it. But it was pretty cold. So Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. I will be back after these messages. Dependable. Traffic and weather together on the 10s. Weekday mornings on The Voice of St. Louis. KMOX. Yes, we're starting off in Overland. Navette, how are you today? Mike, I've called you before, and I love your advice. Now, I've got two questions today. Uh, my first one is I want to buy an olive tree. Is it something that I can plant here, around here, or where would I get that? You mean an olive tree like that yes. produces olives? Well, they're really yeah. not hardy here. Oh, okay. So, I mean, you could grow it in a pot and move it in and out, but you're not going to get any olive production out of it. 
Now, okay. if you want something kind of olive, olive, although it's not the same, there are varieties of fig trees that are hardy that you might think about using a fig instead of an olive tree. Oh, well, my second question was the fig trees, because we have two fig trees. We've okay. had them for quite a few years, and it seems to me now that we used to cut the canes down, and last year we didn't. So, you know, there's long, empty branches. Right. So, are we supposed to cut them now or what? Uh, yeah, if they're not producing any kind of foliage or anything, definitely cut them off. If they okay. are producing foliage, I would say just leave them for a while because basically the more leaves there are, the more food that's going to be made because it's, you know the plants use the foliage to make chlorophyll along with, and the chlorophyll is a mixture of sunlight, uh, moisture, and nutrients from the root system. So I would say you can cut them, but you don't necessarily have to. Okay, okay. So cause I think we cut them before, and I couldn't remember last fall. We didn't, and then I thought, oh, maybe we should have. Okay. All right. And then the little olive tree in a pot, where could I, can I get that uh, in the area then? Uh, to be honest with you, it might be a little difficult to find. I would say... Order, hmm. Order it from somewhere. Yeah, maybe look online if you can find yeah. it that way. And, uh, yeah. you know, I was trying to think, you might, you know, try the botanical garden and see, just go to their website, mobot.org, and see if they have them in their gift shop because a lot of times they carry some oh. rare things in their plant shop yes, gift shop. you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Sure. We love your show. My thank pl- you. Well, thanks for having me on your show. And now let's go from Overland into the city of St. Louis and see what's going on in Gus's yard. Hi, Gus. Hi. Hi. Uh, I, <clears throat> I want to grow uh, Kiwis, um, and I want to know get the, where to get the seeds for the Arctic variety. Uh, to be honest with you, kiwis are not going to be able to be grown here. Well, I, mean, I was looking up. I was I, looking them up. Pardon me. I, I, there's a variety of kiwis called Arctic that are good to forty below zero. Really? That's what the that's what the, the uh, internet said. Now, we're talking about the kiwi, which is a small green fruit that kind of looks like a lemon, uh, only yeah. it's fuzzy. I can't, yeah. you know, 40 below. That's what it said. I, to be honest with you, I'd be really hesitant about that. Before I'd go and worry about trying to find one, again, I'd go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website and put kiwi in and see what they say. Because if these people are, you know, if they have these things, they're just selling them. So consequently, they're going to make it 40 below. There's not too many things that survive 40 below even, you know, regular fruits that we have here, like apples and pears and peaches. That You know, they just don't produce anything when it gets that cold. The branches are frozen. A lot of times, it won't necessarily kill the entire tree. Well, I'm from Alaska, and I planted wild rice up there. And people said it wouldn't grow, and it did grow. Ah. So you don't know if it's going to happen until you get it. Right. Well, that's true. I mean, uh, give it a shot. And then you can, if you're from, I didn't have any idea. It says you're from St. Louis. I see your area code is 907. So you're actually living in Alaska? Um, um, That's that's where my cell phone is from. Oh. Because I lived up there. Okay. Actually, it appears in Missouri. Okay. But again, uh, you know, this, I would say check the Missouri Botanical Garden website before you put too too much energy behind this. Okay, I got another question. Fig trees. Right. What kind of fig trees grow here? 
Uh, basically, there's several different varieties and uh, specific, the specific variety. But uh, just, you know, again, go to the Botanical Garden website and it will list the ones that do well. But there's plenty of fig trees growing around in the Hill neighborhood. So, and they, you know, they're not only just growing them as trees, they're actually getting some figs off them as well. Okay, well, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go from St. Louis, actually to Pear, and head up north to Florissant and to Faye's yard. Hi, Faye. Hi, good morning. Hi. Um, yes, we had an application of milorganite fertilizer applied to our lawn in April, mm-hmm. and it's green nicely now, uh, but we... but. It, Usually it kind of peters out after a while. We were wondering uh, how soon could we have another application of that particular fertilizer? Well, that's a low analysis fertilizer. So I would say probably four to six weeks after the first application, you should be okay doing it. Okay, wonderful. Thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And if you do have any calls or (laughs) any calls, if you do have any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head down to Arnold now and go into Troy's yard. Hi, Troy. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I've got a small version of the red Japanese maple, Mm -hmm. and I noticed about a week ago the leaves um, on the top of the the tree bush, whatever, kind of like turning like an orangish color, drying up, and walking through the whole subdivision, there's... Japanese maples that are far worse than mine. Is there anything going on as far as these uh, this year? I think it's weather as much as anything. Okay. Just a fluctuation in the temperatures and everything else. Uh, James and I were talking about how, I mean, there's just such an up and down type circumstance. So I think some of this foliage emerged early and then we had kind of a cold, not freezing cold, but pretty cold snap. And I think that kind of damaged the veins and everything else, the vascular system. Of there's, there was actually a house I was at the other day. I think it's related to the amount of rain plus the temperature fluctuations more so than anything else. I guess that would make sense since it is prevalent throughout the whole subdivision. Right. And there's, there's, some of them are worse. Oh, worse yeah, depending upon exposure. I mean, so some of them are a little bit more protected or they're on a more protected side of the house. And that's, you know, that can make a difference. But, uh, I mean, I'm noticing more and more, you know, perennials that are having this kind of same circumstance. You know, I haven't seen the Japanese maples with it yet, but, uh, you know, I'll keep my eyes out when I'm out and about and everything else. But, uh, yeah, it's got to be weather-related. Yep. All right. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, it's an unfortunate unfortunate kind of situation with, uh, you know, the way this weather's been. I mean— it was so warm, it pushed stuff out really early, and then it kind of cooled down, and that's why the dogwoods kept in flower. I'm still seeing some dogwoods in flower, but the majority of them have already stopped, you know, or started to lose or have lost all their, you know, their petals. And to me, always, to, personally, spring is always kind of over when the dogwoods start losing their petals. I mean, I'm just exaggerating, but that's just kind of my own psychology. But now let's head over to Columbia, Illinois, and go into Diane's yard. Hi, Diane. Hi. I have a question about a river birch that I'm losing. Uh, I see a lot of twigs in the yard. It it just kind of looks like it needs a little boost or something. What would I use? Uh, I would just feed the soil. In other words, deep root feeding where you auger holes and put uh, you know compost down in those holes. 
but don't don't bother with fertilizer. River birch drop a lot of debris. They drop a lot of twigs. As the weather goes, it gets warmer in the summertime, they start dropping a lot of leaves. So they're kind of a, I don't want to say a messy tree, but messy tree. The fact that the amount of debris that they drop, you know, twig-wise, and I mean, they have a lot of twigs and they have a lot of leaves. And then consequently, I mean, their native habitat is a swampy area. So to get them an adequate amount of water, you can't really do that in a normal landscape circumstance because you drowned out everything else. But uh, even in those situations, in a native habitat, they're still going to drop a lot of debris. So this is just something that's normal. Oh, okay. So just the normal, uh, the compost from St. Louis compost is fine. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, just start halfway out from the trunk to the you know, the drip line, the extension of the branches, and then auger a series of hole, uh, holes in a circle all the way around. And put the holes about two feet apart and then go out two more feet towards the end of the branches. And then do another circle and auger the holes with an earth auger about six inches deep and then backfill it with the compost. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Have a good day. And let's stay in Illinois now. Let's go over to Jim's yard and he lives in Belleville. Hi, Jim. Hey, Mike. Um, How often uh, should you fertilize uh, ground cover and until at what point in the year when should you stop what t- what type of ground cover are we talking about well there's uh basically it's um liriope uh periwinkle uh and ajuga okay probably what you want to do is you want to start fertilizing a little bit earlier than uh, you you might think so let's say as soon as you start to kind of get the sense that spring is in the air even though you're not seeing active growth fertilize it once then so i mean i can't put a calendar date on it but let's say it's sometime around the ides of march mid-march or something like that then fertilize in mid-april mid-may and then really you know i wouldn't fertilize really after that point okay so just three, three times a year and uh that should be adequate all right, great. Well, that's all I needed to know. Thank great. you very much. Certainly, my pleasure. And now let's go over to Gary. And while wow, we're staying in Illinois, he lives in Collinsville. Hi, Gary. Yes, good morning. Uh, I think the name of the tree is a Canadian choke cherry. Does that sound right? Canadian choke cherry? Well, yeah. I mean, there are choke cherries, yes. Well,. I know it's Canadian something. Uh, it was planted about three years ago. But um, I've got the lower branches on it that uh, I'm, it's where I can't get under to cut it. Right. I was wondering if I could trim those back to the trunk. Yes. Uh, and so when it, it now it's okay that it's bloomed out and done budded and everything. Well, I would not, I would not do it right now because we don't know what our weather's going to be like. So you got an open wound where you've finished, you know, the final cut at the trunk or the, you know connected to the next largest branch that the lower branches are connected to, and then you got an, this open wound and a potential for bacteria, diseases, virus, or whatever is going to be, be you know elevated because of, you know we're heading into summertime. So I would probably wait if you can. At least, you know, until we get out of, let's say, the worst part of summer, so sometime mid to late August and do the pruning then. If you want to oh, do the okay. pruning, you can do it now, but uh, you just, you know, you're just opening an opportunity where something may happen. 
no, this dream means something to me, so I, I can wait. That's okay. not that big a deal. I just wanted to make sure. It's been a weird spring. Uh, yes. My dogwood just now starting to bloom. Just and starting? Had, yeah, I just <laughs> popped out some blooms as, as I got back. From, I was gone for a while, and this is it. has got some blooms on it now. Wow. <laughs> Well, that's, weird. It's been a weird spring. Yes, very much so. But yeah, and if you, the branches are extended or really long, cut them back, cut them off in sections. With the final cut, you're going to leave about right. a quarter inch stub. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Certainly, my pleasure. Mike Miller, K M West Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Get the inside story on what's happening with your St. Louis Cardinals this season directly from the Redbirds manager. It's the Mike Schilt Show, Sunday mornings at 10.15, sponsored by Bath Fitter, on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Yes, folks, I know this is a gardening show, but I want to make a comment related to sports. I saw that uh, Albert Pujols has been released by the Angels, and uh, he's 41 years old, and I guess they decided, uh, you know, a salary or whatever, but uh, I don't know where he's going to go. He's going to probably try to sign and play for a few more years if he can. It would be neat if he came back to St. Louis, but uh, who knows where he's going to go. Now let's head over to Scott's yard, and Scott lives in St. Louis. Hi, Scott. Good morning, Michael. Enjoy your show as always. A couple quick questions. Uh, for the life of me, I'm trying to figure out what these seeds are that I'm finding in my yard. They're about four to five inches long on a strand, and they almost bunch up when the wind blows like tumbleweed. Do you have any idea what that is? That's probably flowers actually dropping off oak trees or something along that line. Okay. So you have an um, oak tree in your yard or a maple tree. It's not going to be maples. It's mainly oaks. And the sweet gums are a little bit different than that, as you're just, I mean, these look like kind of strands with lumps along, or pieces of string yes. with lumps. Yeah. So yes, it's, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, there's a ton of trees where we live. Yeah. So I, I just, oh, they're, my pool filter hates them. Uh, <laughs> secondly, uh, with regard to greening up the yard, I core aerate several times a year. I've been putting melorganite down. Uh, so as not to uh, put too much of a regular fertilizer and burn anything. But do you ever recommend putting an iron mixture? Only if your soil needs it, if you have a soil test. So if you don't have a soil test, you may have an adequate amount of iron there already. So to put, sometimes if we add nutrients where there's already an abundance, then it could be more problematic than good. Very good. Thank you so much for your help. Have a great day. Stay sure, safe. my pleasure. Yeah, that debris you're talking about, it is just amazing this year. I guess because the way the weather was, there was no kind of like truncating of the flowering on the oak trees and some of the other trees. And the amount of seeds off this uh, silver maples and the oak trees and different things like that, it's just been an absolutely incredible. So thanks, Scott. Now let's head to Springfield, Illinois and go into Gloria's yard. Hi, Gloria. Uh, good morning, Mike. Nice to uh, talk to you again. Um, I had some mostly dead, half-dead bushes removed, and, and I went out and bought some um, hydrangeas and two lilac bushes. They're smallish, uh, uh, a gallon each, and there was uh, uh, ground cover uh, where the bushes, around the bushes. So now there's a big white space, in the, and my guy planted the bushes yesterday and it's going to rain so it'll be good 
but there's a lot of empty space be- be- uh, around the bushes. So I'm wondering, would mulch help to prevent weeds and other things? He, he, what he said is that we want the ground cover to, to take over, but it's going to take a year or so for that ground cover, maybe more, to fill in. So what am I going to do until then? You could certainly mulch this area. Don't don't get mulch that has big pieces of wood in it because that can prohibit a lot of the, uh, let's say, invasive qualities of the ground cover. Also, it can bind up nutrients in the soil in those spots where you want the, ultimately the ground cover to go into. So yeah, get a fine, you know, a fine, you know, fine mulch again, not with big pieces of woody looking stuff, and you could mulch those areas for sure. And I saw I heard you say just before no more than 3 or 4 inches. Right, exactly. And okay, s- that's what since you're probably 1 to 2 inches since you're growing a ground cover, you want the ground cover to head in there cuz that could be prohibitive as related to that. Oh, okay. All right, so 1 to 2 inches right. or, uh on the whole area, around the bush, up to where the ground cover is. Right, exactly. Okay. Thanks a lot, Mike. Great, right. great show. Well, thank you. And again, I mean, people depend upon mulch to, I mean, prohibit weeds. Yes, it'll help, you know, limit the amount of weeds, but it's not going to make it so there isn't any weeds. And even putting a landscape fabric down first before you would put mulch down doesn't mean you're not going to have any weeds in that spot because – it stops the weeds from coming up from the bottom through the landscape fabric slash mulch. But weed seeds can blow in on the top and then actually root down through the mulch. So that's where the you know, real trouble is. So mulch is not a cure-all for basically a weed situation. It does help modify the problem. Now let's go over to Tom's yard, and he lives in St. Louis. Hi, Tom. Hey, good morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. Got a couple questions for you. First of all, um, my wife's got a, a knockout rose, and something's been, I mean, some. I guess it's some kind of a beetle or a bug. I don't know. Something's really chewing the leaves up. I mean, almost to the point where they're, it's leafless. Ooh. Uh, that hasn't stopped. Yeah, that hasn't stopped the flowers from blooming, but there are no leaves on them. I mean, you know, they're, leaves are scarce on that one. Have you actually looked at it close enough to see what this is? It, it's a little bit too well, early. Usually the one that really chews them up badly is a Japanese maple, but I have not. I mean, Japanese beetle. But uh, the Japanese beetle I have not seen yet. So I don't know exactly what would be eating the leaves that, you know, that profusely. Because, I mean, it would take pretty right. good-sized insects to devour that many leaves. Right, well... My wife and I really don't get along where the flowers and the plants are concerned. She uh, she's in charge of that, so I don't get too close to any of that because I'll just do something wrong. Well, so you can just I can look only at look it from afar. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm I can look for I can look from afar, but if I get too close, you know, we'll probably get into a fight. <laughs> okay, Jap- Japanese beetle. Right. Okay. Uh, okay. Thank you for that. Um, Secondly, have you ever heard of uh, a weed that's uh, got a, like a white top? It's really hard to eradicate. It's called a cull pepper. A cull pepper? No, I've not really heard of a cull pepper. Yeah. Hmm. It's got a really blinding white top, and it's really hard to eradicate. Maybe it's just uh, maybe it's just uh, in South County that uh, that we get those. Uh, well, I you know I go all over the place for my walking talks, but uh, you know cull pepper. I'll have to take a look at that. I don't know that particular weed. Now, you're saying it has a white top, white flowers? No, the, just the top of the, the plant has a really bright white 
almost like a bright white head of hair. Wow. Um, I, I didn't, um, yeah, I didn't um, know if you've ever seen, seen or heard of that before, but uh, okay, well, thank you very much. You're very helpful. Enjoy the show. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go over to Mary Jo's yard. She lives in St. Louis, too. Hi, Mary Jo. Hi. Thanks Hi. for taking the call. Um, well, I have a question about English ivy. Um, we have a three-foot stone wall kind of between the border of our yard and our neighbor's yard, and we live in a villa, so it's really close. And I noticed the end of last summer that some of that ivy was starting to grow up into her yard and on her foundation. Um, anyway, we had some of it removed last winter, but it's back. What's the best way to get rid of it? You want to get rid of it entirely, or you want to keep it so it's going to still grow on your wall? Well, I, at first I wanted it to keep still growing on the wall, but now I just want to get rid of it entirely because I don't want to deal with this off and on all the time. Right, because it sounds like it's pretty aggressive right. stand and it's healthy. I would say have you know a landscape contractor come out and dig up as much as they possibly can, or the other option is using Roundup for killing woody plant material. And if you're going to use the herbicide Roundup, then you should walk on it or stomp on it or open up wounds be right before you spray the herbicide. Walk on it or stomp on it? Yeah, what you're doing is you're opening up cracks and you know, wounds in the foliage, and then consequently the herbicide will get a better, you know, will shoot inside the thing to kill it off quicker because it's absorbed in through the foliage slash even wounds on the stems, and then that way you're just accelerating the process. That's what I'm saying you're doing. Okay. Um, okay. Well, thank you very much for your suggestions. Sure. And again, you have to use Roundup for killing. You know, I think it's probably called Roundup for killing poison ivy and woody plant material. Don't use regular Roundup. It's not strong enough to kill things like ivies. For killing poison ivy right. and and woody woody plant woody? material. So in other words, trees, shrubs, honeysuckle shrubs, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go, and we're headed south to Oakville and see what's going on in Linda's yard. Hi, Linda. Hi, Mike. Um, I kind of missed part of an earlier call. Was a man calling about his rose leaves being eaten up? Right. Okay, I know what that is. I've been fighting this for about three years now. If he looks on the bottom of the leaf, flip the leaf over, you will not believe the size of this worm that will be on there. It's about the size, starts out about the size of a toothpick, a little green worm. And, of course, they grow as they eat more and more. Sure. And I started spraying seven spray on them, S-E-V-I-N, and that works. I saw them coming on them again early this spring and uh, started spraying the seven. I mean, you just spray it as long as, you know, you don't see the worms anymore. Right. But as horses, you don't have to spray it on the underside. I have, like, a couple of times turned them over and sprayed it directly on the worms. But, of course, you know, they'll eat it and die. So. Right. But that's what it is. Tell him, you know, I guess I'm telling him if he's still listening. Flip the leaf over. You just won't believe how tiny these things are. Yeah, I, you know, I, that's a new one on me because I've not seen that myself. And I've looked at, uh, you know, so I'll have to take a look at the next time I see a knockout rose with a major foliage damage early in the season. 
Well, I just have, I don't like knockouts, so I have, you know, regular, <laughs> regular old-fashioned roses, and um, I guess it can affect any of them. I have an English rose and then, you know, my other one. So anyway, if he does that, gets the seven spray, I think he'll be okay with it. But, yeah, they really can devastate the rose bush as much as, you know, they don't eat the blooms, but the leaves, they just, destroy right it's amazing i mean he's got a knockout and he said it's almost totally defoliated and i'm he was pretty much saying it's a mature size shrub and I, that would mean there'd have to be a huge amount of you know small worms that were eating the foliage to get rid of all of it so what, i know the, I, I don't i guess it would grow back you know if he if he feeds it or something right. but it's definitely those little green worms okay great well thanks for the insight i'll take a look at it you know, when I'm off sure. air and whatever and see what if I can find out specifically what kind of insect that is. And then people can also use a systemic type insecticide where you put it basically down where the root zone is. It's absorbed up through the plant vascular system. And then if anything feeds, it kills them that way, too. But if the seven application and you don't even have to spray it directly onto the worms, that's, you know, I mean, that's a really kind of a new one on me. So thank you very much. I greatly appreciate it. Well, that's what our show's all about, is passing on good information. Yes. Love I, this show. I completely <laughs> agree. Because <laughs> as much as my head is swollen the size of, a, let's say, a beach ball, because I know so much, I really don't know all that much. So anyway, Ed lives in Chesterfield. Ed, how are you? I'm good. How about you? Good. Uh, I wanted to plant a uh, maybe a four or five tomato garden, and it's on grass right now. So how deep do I need to go to make a little garden bed well basically you need to kill off the lawn first and get rid of anything out you know either digging up you know like rolling it like pieces of sod or whatever then churning the soil adding a lot of uh, organic matter to it before you plant any kind of tomatoes into that spot okay is there is it still possible to do it this season or does oh yeah i mean it's still pretty early so you may i mean your actual harvest may be a little bit later, but if you would have put them, you know, planted them sooner, they would have just been stunned by just the cooler weather. And then realize that tomatoes need to be fed regularly. They need to be going, you know, have regular watering as well. But soil production, soil improvement before you, you know, buy, buy your plants and certainly before you install them is really something that you should do. And get everything all ready to go before you go out and purchase the plants. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Certainly. My pleasure. And I don't know if we can get to... Carol, can you do it kind of quickly? Yes. Okay. Uh, have a suggestion for getting rid of annual bluegrass, that fine stuff that comes up with a jillion seeds right. on it. Right. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, I've got it. I don't know how to get rid of it. Oh, Short of, short of using Roundup and killing all the grass. Yeah, you can't do that. Basically, what you need to do is next August, this upcoming August, put a pre-emergent down. That's going to be the best way to get, in, you know, get it under control because it's in your regular lawn. If it's in bed spaces where perennials are or something like that, you can spray a grass killer. But where you have it and it's mixed in with your regular lawn, the best thing to do is go after it while it's in, you know at the seeding stage when it's germinating from seed. So that's going to be mid to late August. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KMYS Garden Hotline. 
314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after the news. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. It matters to you. These guys are talking back and forth. Yeah, that it's <laughs> we're supposed to say that the Odyssey app has everything that matters to you. All ah, the audio that matters to matters you. Matters to you. I yeah, get it. Yeah. Okay. Now you guys, James and uh, Brian, they're really on top of it. They caught that. Um Yes, folks, it's a garden hotline tip of the trial hour, and I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly. But right now, you can give us a call at 314 436 7900 or 1 800 925 1120. With questions, ideas, comments, concerns, and thanks to the callers in the last hour that helped me with a couple problems that I had no idea what was going on. But anyway, Mr. Kelly, before you take off, yes, I saw you showed me some uh, pictures of your garden. Yeah, you've got a pool now. Yeah, we. I built a little fountain down, not kind of a fountain pond uh, down in the corner where all the water's going to go to when it rains anyway. And so we put that down there, bought a little uh, little pump, and so it's shooting water in the air. And then we have this uh, this sculpture of a woman that is uh, my first wife who passed away years ago. She uh, actually made in college. And we put that in the pond, so it looks like our uh, we have a a woman lounging in the pond. And your pond is very deep. <laughs> well, it's actually very shallow, yeah, but, but I mean, you don't know that. Right, you don't exactly. know that. Yeah, that so. gives a great illusion. It does. And so I'm looking for uh, I'm looking for sculptures of feet. Or, or Sue is saying we should get like a uh, like a fin to put in there, so she <laughs> looks like a mermaid, and, and then we could have it all complete. But it was just we were just doing it last night, and it's like let's put that in there. And every time I look at it, I laugh. Yeah, it's it was just, great. It's hilarious. I'm glad you shared it with me. It was a good laugh for me too. Good. So thanks, Brian, and folks, thanks for having me on your show. We're here to discuss plant selection, caring for, ups and downs, what's going on with your annuals, your bulbs, your edibles, ground covers, house plants, lawn, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take that will be make success, but it's strictly offered for you to consider. Across the big board is James. He's producing. He pushes all the buttons and answers the phone. He just needs your first name and where you're calling from. During the week and sometimes on the weekend, I spend doing landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. That's where my email and phone number is. And if you'd like to give a gift certificate, I have a gift certificate I can email you, and then you can give it to somebody, and they can contact me later on when they'd like to schedule a time. I'll share during the Walk and Talk 40-plus years of experience related to landscape designs, plants, cares, maintenance, and everything else. I'm no longer doing any kind of, let's say, formal design work, so it's strictly a consultations. And a lot of people take notes. A lot of people put it on their smartphones. So lots of different ways. And the tip of the trowel is a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. You probably know that Tracy and I live in South City and it's a really kind of unique neighborhood. There's lots of different ethnic groups. There's lots of different professionals I mean, there's people from 
nurses to firemen to all kinds of different things. But one of the highlights for me is a few houses down from me. A lot of times after I finish working in the yard, I just kind of sit in the backyard and listen to the birds and everything else. But Brian Curran, he lives a few houses down, and he is an excellent guitarist. He actually teaches guitar lessons, virtual or vital or virtual (laughs) guitar lessons now. He used to have people come to his home. But a lot of times he sits out on his front porch and then plays a guitar. So I get to sit there and listen to him play the guitar after I've worked in the yard, and it is absolutely fantastic. So a tip of the trial goes out to Brian Curran, and he is a a really a good guitarist. I walked down the other day and asked him if he had a tip jar sitting on his porch because I was going to put some money in his tip jar. He said, no, I don't have a tip jar. But So I told him I'd give him the tip of the trial. So thanks, Brian, for playing the guitar. It really makes it a nice end of the day when I've been out there working. And uh, he really obviously enjoys the guitars and teaching and everything else. So a tip of the trial goes out to Brian. So why don't we take a call or two before we take a break? Let's head out to Mary's yard, and she lives in Shrewsbury. Hi, Mary. Hello, Mike. How are you? Very good. It's a nice, it's a nice story. You get to hear guitar music outside right. with the birds. <laughs> <clears throat> and the very, very active squirrels are driving me crazy <laughs> <clears throat> this spring. I don't know what's going on with the squirrels. I, my question is about uh, Delta Jazz crepe myrtles. I planted four of them last year, and they actually had... Um, they were leafed, they had their leaves on them. A couple of them even had a few blooms. So this spring I went out and um, looked at them and scratched the uh, stems and I thought they were all dead. And um, so now I see growth, I see leaves or growth coming up straight out of the ground, not on the, on the stems or the, somebody called them canes. Right. Um, so, um, what am I to do, um, cut those canes off and let the, just let them grow now, right? They'll get new canes. Is that how that works? Exactly. I've never had a... Yeah, certain varieties will do that. Uh, Probably what I'd do is I'd wait for another couple weeks. You probably wait until, let's say, the first of June or so, and if you don't see any, let's say, foliage emerging, you know, off the last year's growth... Then go ahead and cut them back, cut them, you know, all the way basically down to the ground. But some varieties will emerge from the root system, and certain varieties, as they get mature and well-established, they will, you know, continue to put out new, or let's say new growth in the last year's stems, canes or canes or whatever, or whatever you want to call them. Okay, so I thought they were, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought they were dead. I thought I was going to have to dig them up. So... <clears throat> This is only their second year to right. be planted. Uh, one other question, please. Around, uh, I have a very, very large pin oak tree in the backyard. Previous owners had planted grape hyacinths around the base, and then there's there's a little um, stone fence, uh, you know, that's built up only about three stones high, maybe even two stones high. Well, the hyacinths bloomed, and they were beautiful. Now the grass has infiltrated that. My question is, I'd like to dig all of that out and put some uh, new soil in there. Can I then replant my grape hyacinth bulbs or the teeny tiny bulbs? I would say, you know, this is going to be a very difficult area. If we're talking close to the trunk, 
you, regardless yes. of what you yes. do, because you can't pile soil up on the trunk because you could do some damage to the bark by just burying it, a li- you know, even just a little bit because of the moisture content. And it's going to be such more or less solid wood underneath, right, where the trunk goes into the ground, and that's the area that you're going to be fooling with. You could be doing damage to the root system by adding, you know, by getting out the soil and everything else. I would, my tendency would be not to do that. Okay. How do I get all that grass out of there? It's difficult to tell the difference between the uh, foliage of the of the little plants or and the grass. Right. They all look alike. I'm Probably I'm I'd wait for wait for another couple of weeks, then the grape hyacinth foliage will start to turn brown. Then at that time you can go after this, you know, the wheat or the grass or whatever that's been invasive in there with like an herbicide. Oh, all right. And then okay. if you want to plant other things, you could try. But, you know, again, up close to the trunk, it's going to be extremely difficult. The grape hyacinth's probably been there for a long time. That's why they've yes. been able to get themselves established long ago. But anything new that you put in there is going to have nothing but difficulty. So, uh, okay, uh, don't add uh, some new soil out toward the edge. Uh, keep it away from the trunk of the tree. You could you, or, you could try that, but still, you're not going to be. You're going to have to work any kind of new existing soil, topsoil, compost mix, or whatever you're using with the existing soil. You can't just lay it on top. So oh, okay. by doing that, then you're going to have to spade, rototill, or whatever. Then that's where the damage to the root system is potentially right there. Okay. All right. Thank you very much for your help. I appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, it's just uh, you could do some you know, real problems for your tree. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Nearly a century of informing, entertaining, and serving St. Louis. KMOX. Yes, folks, here's a report out of my yard. Uh, summer bulbs. I always dig them up in the fall. I grow them in pots. I used to grow some in the ground, but now I'm growing them all in pots. So elephant ears, uh, cannas, actually amaryllis, I just kind of throw those in together. And uh, I planted them several weeks ago, but it's been so cool that I kept thinking, what's going on? Why is this taking so long? Getting very impatient, twiddling my thumbs and everything else. But finally, I'm starting to see some growth. The amaryllis were actually the first to, you know, to show any kind of growth. A couple of amaryllis shot up some foliage, and one's actually shooting up a flower stalk. So that's kind of cool. And now I'm starting to see the cannas, and I have the uh, Tropicana canna. So those are the cannas that are smaller, shorter, and that are have the yellowish foliage and orange flowers. So I used to have some of the big, tall ones, but I've kind of given those up um, because— just for something different. I don't want to do everything the same every year. But I have to admit, as I say that, sweet alyssum, which is kind of a, a ground cover that flowers for multiple months. It's already been flowering up for several weeks and will continue to flower until the frost actually kills it. I've got a bunch of that stuff, and it keeps self-seeding. So, you know, the, the original were planted. I do add some new seed Every couple of years, and but uh, it's really looking good. So let's head back to the phones or to the phones, and let's go to Susie's yard, and she lives in Maryland Heights. Hi, Susie. Good morning. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I called you back in October about a 
avocado plant I had started outside by planting a seed from mm-hmm. an avocado. And I brought it in the, during the winter, and it's about 14 inches high, has seven leaves, and the leaves are about five inches by an inch and a half. Right. Now, I want to know, will that bear fruit this year, and can I, when can I plant it outside? And Well, actually, the avocado is not hardy here, so you can't really plant it outside. And it will bear fruit growing from the, the original pit from the avocado in about 30 years. Oh, my God. <laughs> so as long as you're patient, no. And you, what you're going to have to do is find some friends in California or someplace where it's warm, ship it out there, and let them grow it there because they're not gonna, well, it's not going to grow here. Well, I am uh, the uh, happy snowman, 88, so I won't be around <laughs> in 30 years. <laughs> so just you know, enjoy it as it is, and you're never you – I mean – even if you lived in California and you'd started one from the avocado, you know, seed slash pit, uh, it would be multiple, multiple years, probably not 30, maybe only 20 or something. But anyway, uh, so you're not going to get fruit off of it. Oh, okay. Well, thank you so very much. Sure. My pleasure. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Growing something from seed, uh, and then it, Something that's not even hardy here, that's going to be a little bit tough. But anyway, let's now head from Maryland Heights to West County and see what's going on in Joe's yard. Hi, Joe. Good morning. How you doing? Very good. Uh, thank you. Um, I have a beautiful Japanese maple that was hit pretty hard by by the frost, killing off about half of the of the leaves on the on the tree. What do I do to try to get it to come back? Will, will it come back on its own for, with the second growth of leaves? Yeah, it should have secondary buds, you know, with the foliage for this very reason. Because, I mean, it is a hardy variety, and some of them are a little bit hardier than others. If this is one that looks like an umbrella, then it's not quite as hardy as some of the other varieties. But regardless, it should be able to, you know, set some, I mean, the buds are there. They should start pushing and you should be starting to see the leaf bud, and then in another couple of weeks, you should be able to start to see the leaves reemerging. And if so you do have, I cut it back, yeah, do I cut it back pretty pretty severely. Yeah, I would not cut it back. I'd just leave it alone and wait. You oh, know, okay. wait for several more weeks, and if nothing has come back on any kind of branch or anything, go ahead and cut that off. But just uh, I would be you know more patient than anything. Okay, very good. Thank you. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go from West County to Mid County and see what's going on with Patty's. Hi, Patty. Hi, Mike. Uh, I've got a problem with my angel wing begonia plant, which is very old. It's always been inside because when I take it outside, it seems to sunburn. But I've taken a million cuttings from it to start new plants. But all I seem to get is tall (laughs) plants like palm trees with leaves on the top and they lose all the bottom leaves and I can't keep it shorter and bushier. Is there anything I can do with that? Uh, so you've, you're talking about once you, how, how are you actually getting them? You're taking the cuttings. Are you dipping it into rooting hormone? No, not actually. I'm just doing it the old fashioned way of putting it in some water and it grows roots. Okay. So, well, that might be, you know, that might be part of the problem. Also, how long, this, the length of the cuttings that you're taking may be a problem, too. I take my cutting shorter and then just dip the where you've made the cutting into a rooting hormone and plant it into potting mix for starting, you know, plants and see if that helps you. 
Okay. Once once it's growing tall like that, there's no way that you can, like, I've tried pinching them back as they grow, but that doesn't seem to do it. Well, what you might do is if you can sacrifice a few of them, cut the stem back to about two inches, and then you should see some new foliage emerging off that, you know, the stem. But if you try to pinch it back, if you're only just pinching the top off, that's not probably adequate. You're going to have to pinch it back further. And if it doesn't have a, let's say, a well-established you know, pretty good-sized root system, it may not just have the energy to be pushing out any more growth, you know, lower down. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting them tall like palm trees, and they, they bloom at the top, but they just they just grow to the sun, and I, uh, I'm going to have them at the ceiling if I don't do something. Yeah. So I think it's the, the rooting mix that I need to do. Yeah, and that would help. And also, you know, put them in, you know, you can move them outside, just don't put them in the sun. Do you have a spot where well, it's you know in the shade? No, I I live in an apartment and my oh. balcony faces uh, faces east. Oh, okay. So they get a few hours in the morning, but that seems to be too much for them. Wow. They're okay. They're okay in the east window, but when I put them outside, they always seem to like get sunburned. Yeah. So, yeah. If there's no way that you can sort of finagle things where it doesn't get the direct sun on it when they're out outside. The chance of having success is going to be certainly enhanced by moving them out, but if that's not possible. And the windows are just acting as more or less a sunscreen, and that's why they don't sunburn in the east window as opposed to sitting out in just full exposure. Okay, so if I could find some way to put up some sort of a shade screen out there. Right, exactly. Okay, got it. Thank you so much. I enjoy your show every Saturday. Well, thanks for having me on your show. I greatly appreciate it. Now let's go. We were in West County, Mid County, and now let's go to South County and see what's going on in Chuck's yard. Hi, Chuck. Chuck, are you there? Four years ago, I worked at a, a golf course, and they had a hickory tree there, and I dug up several uh, seedlings mm-hmm. about six, seven inches high, and only one grew. And now it's it's like six feet six feet high, and and it's got on the leaves big leaves. But it's got like little green bumps on the leaves. Is there anything I can do about that, or is uh, it going to kill the tree? I uh, shouldn't, but uh, I mean those type things is where an actually an insect has actually stung and laid eggs in those you know those bumps. So if, oh my god! So it's not anything to be overly concerned or worried about. Lots oh, okay. of hackberries. Yeah. Hackberries get it. There's several different kinds of trees. I don't know, the insects you know, go after certain specific type trees. Obviously, hickory is one of them, but the hackberry tree gets a lot of them, you know, so there's not okay. really too much you can do. Okay, I mean, but it won't kill the tree. No, it really won't. Oh. Okay, thank you, sir. Sure, my pleasure. Bye. And let's go now to Robert, and he lives in Ellisville. Hi, Robert. Hey, good morning, Mike. A uh, couple of questions. Um, my first one is similar to what Joe had. Uh, except I have a um, a dogwood tree. About the back side of it, a little bit is dead. It's very brittle. You know, not uh, there's. I don't see any budding on it at all. Uh, anything I should or could do about that? Trim it back or whatever. Well, basically, this is probably the side that's you know shaded either by a house, other trees, or something like that. So there's no sunlight getting there. And even though dogwoods are shade tolerant. This is a side that uh, the trees just basically shut off and said, you're not helping my overall health, and that's why it's basically dead. Um, it's, it's actually in the middle of the yard. And um, for- but it, it, uh, it, it should get a good 
three, four hours every day. Really? That's side sound, but the rest of it, it gets full day. How, how about, I mean, how large, how old is this tree? Well, I guess it's probably at least 10 or 12 years old. It yes. was put in last year by a nursery, and um, uh, it's it's an eight-foot tree. Oh, so it was just planted last year. Yeah. Oh, so that might be part of the, you know, it could have been that part that's dead. This, you know, is certainly could, I mean, it could have been damaged during the, you know, when it was dug, when it was planted or anything else. But I would say wait for another couple of weeks. If you're not seeing any kind of foliage growth, let alone flower growth, then I would cut that off. Or I really, you're, I'm sure a tree of that size, the nursery probably has some kind of guarantee. You might call them and have them come out and take a look at it. Gotcha. Um, and, and if I do end up cutting it off, would that be close to the trunk or? Yeah, you basically uh, you want to leave about a quarter inch stub to wherever okay. it's attached. And if it's a longer branch so you don't tear the bark on the trunk, you might want to cut it off in sections. Okay. All right. Great. Uh, the other quick question is about a peach tree. I uh, trimmed it back this February and uh, hit it with a dormant spray. A couple of days later, it rained really, really hard. And uh, I don't know if it washed the dormant oil off or not. Uh, wouldn't it be a good time to maybe respray uh, for springtime spraying? Uh, not dormant oil, but maybe some other type of oil. Yeah, there's a summer weight horticultural oil which you can spray. But also, you still got to read the label on you know spraying temperature, you know, because it's a lighter weight oil, but it's you know it doesn't have to be sprayed during dormancy. Is that a brand name that yeah. you mentioned? Well, just there's probably a couple different companies. So you know, summer weight horticultural oil. So just uh, go to your favorite garden center and tell them that's what you what you want. They may have one kind that I don't know that particular manufacturer. Uh, and is now a good time to do that, or should I wait till it warms a little bit, or what? Uh, again, just get it in whatever variety you have. The label should say spray when it's this temperature. Don't spray when it's fully sun, you know, or whatever it happens to be. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yep. I mean, the labels are really important as far as following closely. Mike Miller, K M S Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Get ready for the Cards and Rockies this afternoon. Ameren Pregame Show 1220. First pitch, 115. Hear it here on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. KMOX. First time in U-City today. Let's see what's going on in Pat's yard. Hi, Pat. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I have two questions. One is I have a lilac bush in my front yard, and uh, this year is the first year it really bloomed beautiful, and it was so fragrant. Now, of course, all my blooms are gone, right. and I was wondering about trimming it. Uh, this would be anything that blooms in the springtime within a month or five or six weeks or so after they finish flowering, that's the time to prune because after that, if you wait too long, then you're cutting off the flower buds for next year. Okay. Now, I have another question. I, I have a, uh, a ad, a full-page ad from my AAA magazine that uh, they advertise zoysia seeds. They got the plugs, but I have never heard of zoysia seeds. This is from a, uh, a nursery in Maryland, and I'm kind of skeptical about that. I what would do you s- think? I would say be skeptical. Okay. <laughs> 
Now, I know about the plugs and right. and, 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 and the, the plots and this thing, but, I mean, they got a real zoysia seeds. That's, I never heard of zoysia right. seeds. You yeah. think it's a thing that's uh, nature to uh, Maryland, or am I being pulled by the leg? <laughs> no, it's real. I mean, there is zoysia seed. It is available, but it just... This is a difficult area for seed anyway, and zoysia seed here, over the years, you know, since I've been doing this show, there's been a couple people that have called about the zoysia seed. There's probably been one person that said he's used the zoysia seed and had success with it, but anytime you do any kind of seeding, whether it's with bluegrass, fescue, or whatever, it takes multiple years of doing the seed before you get a thick lawn anyway, so I would say skip it. Okay. Now, one other question. What is the name of the uh, lawn maintenance company that you advertise from time to time? Uh, right now, I'm not doing any kind of lawn maintenance. No, no, no. You have you uh, have a company that you recommend, not not you. Right. No, uh, there's no oh. company. Okay. Okay. All righty. Okay. Well, then I'll wait a couple more weeks on the trim, and I'll just go ahead and go out to some nursery here and get the Zoysia plugs. Right. And thank you for your show. Well, thanks for having me on your show. I greatly appreciate it. Now, in the past, there was Lawn Doctor. That was who I sort of, uh, you know, did spots for last year. But this year, Lawn Doctor is not uh, doing any spots on the Garden Hotline. So you might give them a call. All righty. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go to Rick's yard. And he lives in St. Louis. Hi, Rick. Hi, Mike. Thank you very much for your show. Um, this year, for the first time, we planted strawberry plants in one of those ceramic pot things, you know, with the little holes on the sides. Oh, yeah, like the strawberry jars, what they're called. Yep, and they're growing really good, and they're getting a bunch of red flowers on them. And I was calling to see, should I be plucking those flowers off or just let it go? I would just leave them go. You're not really going to get probably any production. You know, if, if you do get some, you know, whatever, then that's lucky, but uh, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Okay, and then you were just talking about growing grass from seed, and this year for the first time, my lawn with fescue and overseeding and mushroom compost and all that is doing amazingly well, and so it's always the same. You know, it looks great in April and May, and then right. come July and all that goes downhill. Is there anything you – now I'm doing new sod, uh, new seed fertilizers, you know, weekly for the next couple of weeks, but beyond that, is there anything we could do to try to get that grass to survive the hot weather? Nope. <laughs> it's a cool season lawn, fescues and bluegrasses both, and when the it heats up and the humidity goes up, then it heads downhill. Just like during the wintertime, the zoysia, which is a warm season grass, goes brown. I mean, it gets totally tan. So, I mean, it's just basically the weather, the circumstance, and the variety of the lawn that you're talking about, it just doesn't like the heat of the summertime. Okay, I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Yep, there's nothing you could do any different than probably what you're doing. If you have good success when the weather's cool, that's fantastic. Now let's head out to Lake St. Louis and see what's going on with Fred. Hi, Fred. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Appreciate it. Thanks for your show. Uh, Curious, uh, I'm a big golf fan, watch the Masters every year. I've got a a berm in the back of my uh, house that's got some pine trees, some uh, evergreens, uh, an oak tree. Uh, can I put some azaleas back there? It gets sun usually, oh, from nine o'clock until two o'clock in the in the afternoon. No, uh, you could, but the azaleas—they're going to have difficulty. How large or how mature are these trees that are on the berm that you're going to be planting on? 
They're, they've been planted for probably about four years. Uh, it's a, uh, a newer home, right. newer subdivision. So the, the pine trees are probably about uh, 15, 18 foot tall. The, the oak trees are fairly new. Uh, they're maybe 20 foot tall, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, those are pretty large trees, and I don't know how big the berm is. I mean, you could try, but if you're going to try any kind of azaleas, I would say reds and purples, you know, those stick with those colors because they seem to be the toughest. But success is going to be, I mean, somewhat limited because the tree roots, they don't really like to share nutrients and moisture, and that's, I mean, it's going to be problematic for the azaleas. And I'm speaking from the, you know, I worked in the botanical garden for five years, and four of those years was an English woodland garden. I started in 77 after the bicentennial. And there was a lot of larger, mature trees, bigger than the ones that you're talking about. But those azaleas, there were 13 different varieties of azaleas and rhododendrons, and the majority of them just could not compete with the tree roots that were existing. Okay. All right. Well, I'll, I'll take a chance and see what I can uh, do, but I appreciate your information. Though. Sure, Thanks. my pleasure. Yeah, if I was going to maybe you know try a variety, try PJM rhododendron. That might be one that's going to have a little bit of better chance rather than the azaleas. It's a purplish one. So good All luck, right. Fred. And now let's, why don't we take a break? Mike Miller, K. MOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, remember your daffodils, your tulips, your crocus, all the spring flowering bulbs. Leave the foliage, go until it starts turning brown, then you can cut it back. And don't bind it up and twist it and tie it. People used to do that a lot, and I haven't seen anybody doing that too much lately. Till the other day, I was walking through the neighborhood, and somebody had their daffodil bulbs or daffodil t- foliage twisted and with rubber bands around it. And that doesn't help. What you want to do is let the foliage get as much energy and th- can send down to the bulb you know, through the until it starts going brown. And if you twist it and tie it and, and bind it up, then the surface of the foliage is reduced and it's not going to be able to help at all as far as the overall health. So right now, let's head out to St. Peter's and see what's going on with Betty. Hi, Betty. Hi. Um, long-time listener. Uh, the situation is I got a grapevine. It was supposed to be a seedless concord that I planted about five years ago. Mm. Over this thing, it's worn fruit the last two years, but they're, they have seeds, and the, they're about the size of a green pea. <laughs> uh, uh, and it grows like wild all over the place. In February, I trimmed it back to the first node, uh, and now after this late snowstorm, April 20th, uh, only half of the leaves have come back, and there are very few little grapelets on it. Um, I was wondering, should I just rip the whole thing out and start over, or what should I do? Yeah, I would say rip it out and start over. And realize that it's going to probably take, from the time you're planting it, I'm assuming you're buying it you know, from a you know, regular kind of nursery and everything else, it could take five to seven to nine years before you're going to get much fruit production. And when it's really young and immature, like this particular one that you're speaking of, you start to see the fruits forming. Get rid of those because fruit production really stresses plant material out. 
and you want the energy to go back into the overall health of the vine. But they are very aggressive growing. There's no getting around it. So, oh, Yeah. Okay. And then I have a, what was supposed to be a hardy kiwi, and I planted it probably eight years ago. And it's supposed to be a self-pollinator. I've never seen a single flower on the thing. <laughs> right. Should I give up on it, too? Yep. Give it up. It's not, I mean, hardy kiwis are marginal. There was actually a call the last hour about, uh, you know, he wanted a hardy kiwi. And uh, I've just never seen any of them be very successful or successful at all here. Okay. Well, that's, you know, I got it online from a nursery. But the grapes I got from a nursery that's supposed to bear fruit, they specialize in fruit. But anyway. Right. Uh, I have a reliant Yeah, I would say, how long has it been in the ground? Same amount. Yeah, I would say, you know, for the first X amount, five years or so, don't let any fruit production happen because it's not going to be mature enough to be, you know, really fruits. Okay. Uh, That's nice to know. I didn't know that. Okay. All right. Thanks, Betty. And now let's go to Barb's yard, and she lives in Fairview Heights. Hi, Barb. Hello. Hi. Um, I have a question about dianthesis. I have a patch at the bottom of my deck steps, and whenever the really, really very cold weather, um, you know, like below zero, my dog, that's where he decided (laughs) that he wanted to relieve himself. So right in the middle, there is a brown bear patch, and I'm wanting to know how do I neutralize that? So that I can get the dianthesis back again. I would say just, you know, there's not too much you can do as far as neutralizing, you know, is your dog a male or a female? Male. Yeah. So, I mean, there's not too much you can really do. I would say, you know, just get a new new clump of dianthus and plant it in that bare spot because neutralizing oh. it, the dog's going to be going back to that same spot anyway. So... This way you might as well just, that way you can enjoy the dianthus and just maybe plan on getting some new ones every year anyway. Well, uh, no, he only did that whenever it was very, very cold and he didn't want to go in the snow. So now he's going to his usual spot. Right. So I could go ahead and replant some dianthus because it comes up every year. Right. It's very, uh, they're tough. But yeah, just get some yeah. new ones to, and put to put in that spot. Okay. All right. I will do that. Thank you. Yeah, it shouldn't. I mean, this. what it is is the reason why there's burnt spots is because the dog's urine has a high amount of nitrogen in it. So it's actually, you know, burning with the nitrogen. So just work the soil up a little bit and then put the di- new dianthus in that location. So let's see. Okay. If, I will do that. Great. All right. Thank you. Yep. And Tim, if you can do it kind of quickly, Tim from South County. All righty. Um, yeah, I've got two questions uh, quickly. I have uh, grass growing amongst some area that uh, had been mulched, and the grass is growing better there than, than in some spots in my yard. Uh, I go ahead and I take a weed whacker, and uh, can I put down uh, newsprint, uh, or should I go with the um, with the uh, barrier, the, the fabric uh, uh, weed uh, eliminator? Uh, I, I didn't want to get any mold in there because uh, – 
previous owner didn't rake it very well and just left leaves in there and had a whole stack of them. And so I, I cleaned that out, and now I've got grass growing up through it. And um, I want to put rock over it because uh, I uh, this place had uh, problems with termites in the past, so don't want to give them any food. So is uh, is paper newsprint uh well, uh, it's going to dissolve. So I would say use a landscape fabric, but still realize there could be some weed seeds that blow in and, you know, get down into that. So just realize that that's going to happen, whether you got rock there or not. Okay. And I, and I also have uh, some, uh, I, I think it's Arbor Vitae that uh, is growing uh, in front of the bushes in front of the house and they're turning uh, real pale uh, green and, and going yellow now. Uh, don't have any dogs or anything around the neighborhood that are that are uh, helping to uh, water them. So, uh, is that uh, a seasonal thing, or do they need to have some kind of uh, uh, nutrition? Or, Probably uh, nutrition. It's mean iron sulfate is what you should put on. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after next week. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.